morning, everybody. Good to see all of you here. Anybody go to the air show? Anybody? Yeah, this guy. We went there for like about about an hour and a half, and uh, we got there, and there was this helicopter doing a like a little cool maneuver, and uh, it, was, it was fun. And then like we're walking up closer, and then the the guy who's calling the announcements, he's like, "Is that a car? Everyone, stay in your." Stay in your, you know, stay off the runway. It's like, there's a car on the runway. And you see this car go flying down the runway, like, I don't know, 70, 100, I don't know, I'll just say 100. He's just flying down, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, some guy's like streaking, not streaking, but streaking the, the event in his, ca- in his car, you know. And I'm like, oh, someone's got to do something about this. Sure enough, RPD's on it. It's all part of the show. I'm like, this is really cool, you know. And, <laughs> And, not, and then that's not it. Then they have the canine units, and then the guys get out of the car, and the canines go after the... I don't know what that has to do with an air show, but it was it was awesome. So, but I enjoyed that. It was a nice day for an air show here in Riverside. So, Well, we're uh, three weeks into this message series um, on the Bible itself. We're looking at the Bible as, um, you know... Itself, rather than taking a certain area or a topic in it, we're looking at how does this fit together. Um, trying to speak to um, you know the the big picture issues as it relates to the Bible itself. And our goal is to um, help explain it in a way that it would raise the value and appreciation of it in your own life, so that you would get a better handle on it. All of us. We could understand it better and apply it to our lives. So, so far what we've looked at is how God has revealed himself to us through the Bible. He's the source of the, of the scripture. He speaks to us through this. And he's, he's communicated it to us through these human authors. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. And uh, last week we looked at how to gain better clarity when you're reading the Bible. And so we talked about the different types of literature that you find in the scripture. And in understanding how um, just the whole uh, revelation of God on some of the later books of the Bible, um, give more clarity to the earlier books. It's not that the earlier books and and verses and portions weren't as important. It's just that the later stuff gives us um, more clarity on what God has already said. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at how the Bible is written by the expert, God himself, and how he wants to guide us through life, through his word. And whenever we're trying to learn about something or we're trying to do something in life, we oftentimes go looking for the expert. We want expert advice. And the challenge with experts is that, um, you know, experts, uh, you know, you always want to check your sources because it always appears like experts abound. And so um, you, want to check your, you want to check your facts. You want to check the reliability of your sources. And um, if I have a question about parenting, then I want to go to people that actually know the area of parenting. I want to know that they have some sort of a track record and um, I've got a video, and uh, a video clip, a brief video clip. But this is the kind of guy you probably wouldn't want to um, ask for advice on parenting. Um, so take a look. you got to listen carefully. What's with the kid wearing a cummerbund? I let him wear whatever he wants to wear. Those boots are the best. Who's are they? I know, right? I think they're Kevin. I'll have a hot dog with a mustard and a canish. Frankenstein, what do you want? 30 packets of ketchup. All right, 30 packets of ketchup. 30. Nice cut, pal. This is like a whole new school of child raising I'm doing. You give the kid options instead of orders. You know, let him make the right decision. You're a pioneer. (laughs) 
or a pioneer. <laughs> the option method of parenting. That's, that's one way of doing it, you know. He lets him choose what he wants to eat. He lets him choose what he wants to wear. He lets him choose his name, I'm assuming. Because, you know, his name was Frankenstein. And so, um, but again, you want to check your sources. If, if I'm prepping for a date night with my wife, and, or I'm going to a wedding. I do a lot of weddings um, as a minister. And so, uh, you know, I might want to get some dancing advice from someone. Um, because I'm a horrible dancer. I have no rhythm. I've tried this many times. doesn't go well for me. And so, but I wouldn't, here's another video. I wouldn't be asking this guy for dancing advice. That's what it's all about right there. Let's see how it gets bigger. Now I'm going to start the fire. So the feet are going. Start the fire. I make the peace. Hit your old Throw it away. Throw it away. <laughs> I do need dancing advice, honestly, so if you know someone who... I've tried dancing, and it's just, it does not go well. One time, my wife and I were um, trying to get to know a, a couple friends a little better, and so we went dancing with them one time, and actually, this was the first time I'd ever been to any place like this was, and, and uh, <laughs> they said, hey, meet us, it's my birthday, I want you guys to come celebrate my birthday, and I was like, oh, this is great, this guy's kind of opening up an opportunity for us to get to know them better, and so we had been doing that, and, and they said, yeah, just come meet us at 10 o'clock, and I'm like, in the morning, right? <laughs> He's talking about the night, so we go out, and it's 10 o'clock at night. Well, I'm trying to dance at this dance place, and, and uh, it was awful. But I was just paying attention to the people on the dance floor. I was doing what they were doing. And up until my wife said, stop it. You're <laughs> Remember who you are. You're embarrassing us. But if things start breaking at home, again, I don't know about you, but I have some go-to people, some go-to guys for advice when it comes to home repair. Um, hopefully you have somebody like that you can trust. I got one last video. You might remember this guy because this is this was on some of you guys. This is probably too old for 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 some of you, but this is the home repair guy that you don't want to ask for advice. You probably know him. So. Well, I was going to get to that. <laughs> time ago so Tim Allen home improvement there, there's all sorts of experts though whether it's you know it may be your parents um, you know they probably give can give you some advice that might be good advice you still you want to check you want to check and see if that's going to be good advice or maybe someone who's older um, who you admire could be you know in our society you know people on TV people psychologists professors talk show, radio, and the word expert itself, here's what the word expert means. Um, expert as an adjective means having or involving authoritative knowledge. So, now dancing inv- advice is not too crucial. I mean, realistically, it's, it's, it's just not that crucial in life. Home repair advice will likely cost you some money if you, if you get the wrong advice. Um, but when it comes to getting parenting advice, 
you really want to check your sources because there is long-lasting um, results. So whatever you determine your approach to parenting, you're really making like a 20-year choice. You're making a 20-year decision when you get parenting advice, and you'll find out, you know, in 20 years if that was really good advice or not. That's the, that's the challenging part about parenting and, and things like that. There's this long view that we have to take on, on areas of life. It's crucial to go to someone with true authoritative knowledge, someone who's going to give advice that's been tested, something that's proven. And the Bible, that's where we, the Bible has the power to really guide us because it always lines up with God. He is the source of this, and so he's designed how life should work. We want to go to him. Um, so at the top of your listening guide, it says this, God's word is the way that we dis- discover God's guidance. And it's important to know the Bible because it reveals who God is, it reveals his character, it reveals God's priorities. You want to lock on to his priorities. And whenever you get to know someone well enough to where you can begin to complete their sentences and often predict what they're going to do or say in a given circumstance, this is kind of how it is when you get into the Bible. When you get into the Bible, we get to know about God. We get to know who He is. We get to think, we get to understand things on His thought level. And we better understand what's, uh, you know, how God has designed our life to work. We, we understand values, what's most important. Um, in a sense, the Bible is like our compass. We get this guidance from Him. We search for guidance by doing these, these things. Look at, look at Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 7. First, we search for God's guidance by humbly seeking God and allowing Him to lead us. This is from Isaiah 55. This is a passage in Isaiah. Things aren't going well for God's people. And it describes our role in approaching God and how He responds to us if we will respond, if we'll return to Him, we'll seek Him. Um, God's people weren't seeking Him, and so the prophet is calling God's people to seek after God. Look at this verse here, Isaiah 55, verse 6. It says, Seek the Lord, the prophet says, while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that He may have compassion on Him and to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. See, the picture here is, is of one returning to God, actually turning around, Allowing God to, uh, to speak to us. The word seek here has the connotation of an investigation. It's like you're searching something out with care. You're taking uh, careful investigation. You really want to see what's going on. You're seeking God. You don't want to miss what God is communicating to us. That's, that's the picture here. You humbly do that. As we call upon God, like this is saying, you know, He responds. Now, as we do that in our lives, as we seek Him out humbly, as we call upon Him as we read through the Scripture, He leads us through the Scripture. He doesn't lead us contrary to the Scripture. He leads us through it. We looked at that two weeks ago. Another way we can get the most of God's guidance is the second point here, is allowing His thoughts to shape our thoughts and opinions. Look at the next two verses here in Isaiah, verses 8 and 9. He says, For my thoughts, this is speaking of God's thoughts, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This verse gives some real helpful perspective. You get this contrast. Not only does God think and act differently than, than us, because He does, but there's this major gap, this huge expanse which separates His ways from our ways. You know, the things that I think and the things that God thinks are just, there's this huge gap. That's how it is for us. Have you ever wondered why when you read the Bible it just seems really counterintuitive? 
That's because of this major gap. There's this huge expanse with his ways and our ways. And sometimes you read the scripture and it just seems like I'm reading something so foreign. I don't know if you've had that experience. But that's, again, that's because of this expanse between his ways and thoughts and our ways and thoughts. And these verses just describe why that's so. God is not even in the same thought orbit as us. It's just, the good news is this, is that he's given us the Bible in order to bridge the gap. The Bible is, is so that that gap from that, you know, that great expanse can be bridged so that we can understand him. We can know him in a real way. We can know him in a relevant way, despite you know, that he is so far above our thoughts and ways. We can still know him. But our role is to allow God, through the scriptures, to revise our thoughts. As we get into it, he can begin to revise our thinking and our ways and our opinions because he is God. He's our ultimate authority. This last, you know, early on in my walk with God, whenever I would hit a point of trouble or a problem would crop up, um, I would see that as an interruption to my spiritual growth. I'd be focused on my growth and all of a sudden trouble strikes and I'm like, Man, I'm just trying to make some traction now. This trouble has hit. And so I set my spiritual growth aside, and I try to tackle this problem over here. And I would put all my efforts of growth, in a sense, on hold, and I would try to get past this problem. But what I've learned from Scripture is that God actually can work through problems. And that trouble is oftentimes what God uses to shape and grow me. And so I need to pursue, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? As I work through this trouble right now, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? Um, again, I don't enjoy being in trouble. I don't enjoy facing problems. But whenever I recognize God can work through this, then I can begin to value and appreciate what God is doing because his thoughts and his ways are so different than mine. And so he may have chosen to guide me through something, to, to walk me through something very, very difficult. So God's thoughts on growing us don't always line up with our own thoughts on how we would grow. I mean, I, I think most of us would sign up for a far easier path, a trouble-free path. But God's thoughts and ways are very different. Also, we search for God's guidance in this last way by placing our total confidence in the Bible. Look at verses 10 and 11. It says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be the, that so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent. See, this passage is saying that whenever God makes a promise, it's as good as done. His promises can be trusted. They tell us with God that there are no broken promises. Whatever he says, that's going to happen. Whatever he intends, that will come about. And so his words have the power to provide what we need. Look at the Look at the words that display his power in these verses. Not return empty. Shall accomplish. I purpose. Shall succeed. I sent it. These are words that convey God who is in control and who can be trusted. Whenever we get his word into our life and we live it, it adds a tremendous stability to the way we live. When we flip over to the New Testament, you find this. You find that Jesus demonstrated the authority of God's Word. You look over in Matthew, chapter 5. Jesus is delivering His Sermon on the Mount, and He's talking about life in the kingdom. And 
what, what that's going to look like. You see this, you see Jesus demonstrating there's authority. He stood on the scriptures. But you see this demonstrated both in how he taught and in what he taught and then how he lived. Look at verse 17 of Matthew 5. It says, Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. The law or the prophets, that represents what we now call the Old Testament. This was the only written scriptures at the time that Jesus lived. Okay? He's saying, Don't think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Then verse 18. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Here he continues to affirm the scriptures. He's putting his stamp of approval on every detail of the scripture. He's standing on it. An iota, that's the smallest letter of the Greek alphabet. That's actually not an iota, but to Jesus' Jewish years, um, it would have represented the yod. That's the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. That's what that is, the yod. And the yod, it sounds like a y, like a B, like our Y, uh, but it kind of looks like an apostrophe. It's the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So he's saying, in, a, in essence, not a letter is going to be abolished or wiped out. It's important. A dot here he's referring to is like a small mark that would distinguish one letter from another. And so I, I thought I'd give you an example. This is two other Hebrew alphabet letters. This is a hey and a hate. And it's basically, you know, just a stroke of, of the ink would, would close that gap that creates a new letter, basically. And two different sounds. One is a and then one is more of a ch, like a And that may not sound very different to you, but if you, if you do that stroke of the, the pen, that changes the letter. It could change the word and change the intention, the meaning of, of what was, you know, originally intended. This is very important. For us, we don't think in terms of Hebrew alphabet, so we think in terms of, of English. So here's an example of, you know, again, a stroke, just a small stroke changes our letters from a P to an R. Now, if I'm trying to communicate, go pick up the cap, and I, you know, make the stroke down to a car, I'm going to you know, mess up the plan someone had for the day. And so, go pick up the cap. He comes back with a car. In other words, what Jesus is saying is not only will the slightest or the smallest letter not be erased, but even the slightest mark, even these tiny parts of the letters matter. Everything, every letter, every chapter, every book matters. And so, this is, Jesus is just saying, look, he affirms this whole thing. This is all very, very important. Even the details when we talk about the Bible, we're referring to the 66 books of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. We looked at this last week, and, and the word canon is the word, is the standard for which books are in the Bible and the, and the books that aren't in the Bible, which ones made the cut and which ones didn't make the cut. The word canon, it actually means yardstick in Greek. And for the Old Testament, which was the Bible at Jesus' time, the standard was determined very early. Long before even Jesus' birth. And so, the Old Testament that we have in our Bible is the Old Testament Jesus was referring to. It was the accepted standard of the, of the first you know, century Jews. That's what he was referring to. For the New Testament, the canon of Scripture was closed really at an early stage of the history of the Christian church. And so, nothing new has been added. Nothing new has been accepted to the New Testament. And here's just a brief basis. This is the criteria of the, of the canon. Two things, really. One is there, there needed to be universal acceptance among God's people. That's a brief summary of, of what books made it into the Bible. 
There need to be universal acceptance. Israel for the Old Testament, for the New Testament, that would be the early church. And there was, there was even uh, councils that would gather early on in the church in order to uh, make sure everyone was on the same page as far as what was in and what was not in. And uh, second thing, there was this internal witness of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would confirm to the early readers of Scripture that this was, in fact, Scripture. This was inspired by God. There were no other books um, to be added. And so Jesus, he's, he's stamping his approval on, on, on the, the Scripture, and he's saying, you know, this Old Testament is, is, this is it. And in a sense, the apostles did the same thing. They stamped their approval on, the, on, um, on what Jesus considered to be Scripture. Many of the writers of the, or the writers of the New Testament, those who were eyewitnesses of the resurrection, um, there was, you know, for the, for the Christians that would come later, this was very important that the message that those Christian, those eyewitnesses, that that message was not changed, it wasn't watered down. And so we can have confidence as well that what we have is, is truly God's word. Verse 18, if you look at the next verse, it's a major statement about Jesus' confidence, again, on the authority and the reliability of the scripture. I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, okay, this has this eternal, you know, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Okay? He was standing on it. Look at how serious of an issue it was. Look at the very next verse, verse 19. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments, teaches others to do the same, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Don't, don't relax on, don't loosen your grip, don't um, minimize, don't remove. And so if we don't live, or if we fail to live with a high view of the Bible's authority, we end up in a very relative state, and we view nothing in life with an objective standard. So we have to be very careful that we don't relax on what is Scripture. This is what helps us keep our bearings in a constantly shifting culture, is that we hold up the Scripture with a high view. Because in our culture, nothing seems to be objective. Nothing seems to be absolute. But Jesus, he stood on the Scripture. He taught that it can be absolutely trusted. And so I need to take the Bible seriously because I hurt myself if I don't. I hurt my stewardships, meaning I hurt my family. I hurt those under my care if I relax on what God says is Scripture. This is the very best instruction. This is the very best guidance for life. Look at, um, look at even just the, the message, how the message paraphrase captures this verse, verse 19. Trivialize even the smallest item in God's law, and you have only trivialized, trivialized yourself. But take it seriously. Show the way for others, and you will find honor in the kingdom. You see, the point is, serious regret lies ahead of us whenever we minimize, or whenever we relax on obeying God's word. Sometimes we just blow past God's boundaries. We, we can blow past them in our heart. And we know, wow, that, I just made a huge mistake. I relaxed on some command. And now I'm, I'm going to pay. I don't know how, but I'm, I'm probably going to experience some sort of a consequence because very likely you, you do have a high view. You know, If you have a high view of, of Scripture and you blow past it, then you, you, there's regret that comes in our heart. It's kind of like you're accelerating through an intersection. If you're not, you know, and you aren't sure you're going to make it through, and then you realize, I misjudged it. 
dang it. It turns red. Cameras light up. And you're like, no. And, you, and you know, your heart drops. And you, you get this pit in your stomach because you realize, ah, oh, this is going to cost me so much. You know. Well, Jesus, he holds up the scripture. And it's the authority. It stands the test of time. And he does this for our protection. He's not just doing this because he wants us to not, you know, it's not like the, you know, you know, just like the yellow light is not there just to keep us from saving money. It's there to save our lives. It's there to keep us safe. The scripture, he wants us, you know, God wants us to be protected. He wants our life to be protected. Not only did Jesus teach this, the authority of scripture, but then he lived it. You see it over and over. On the back, you'll see some references. You can check these out uh, on your own. But here's just a few examples of how Jesus relied on the Bible. Um, in Matthew 12:3, you see he appealed to the, to the word. When his actions were questioned, there was a point where disciples were eating. And he refers back to some time where David, David's men were eating because they were hungry. And another place he uses the word as support for his teachings on marriage, on the resurrection, or judgment. You can look at these verses in Matthew. Again, he lived with the scripture as his reference point. He stood on the scripture. And so he would... He would, he would speak to it. He would, he would say, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And he'd refer back to the Old Testament. He also used the word to fight off the temptations of Satan. We've looked at this many times at different points. But Matthew uh, chapter 4, verse 4, 7 and 10, you see where he refers back to Old Testament. And he just keeps, again, affirming it. But then he knew it. He affirmed it. He stood on it as, its refer- as his reference point for life. And so in the same way, we should do that. We should measure every idea about God, every thought about life, every, every action we take, all of our words should be measured, should be tested, should be corrected even, and judged by the Scripture. The next time that you're trying to figure out, what am I going to do in this circumstance when you're facing challenges and trouble? Again, let the expert advise you. Go to the, go to the source. Be guided by Him. If you're just starting out in your walk with God, and if you just feel like I'm just starting to gain some traction, um, I would encourage you. You may need someone to, to come alongside you to give you some input as far as where to go in the Scripture. But again, this is understandable. We talked about that last week. That oftentimes, you know, you hear, oh, the Bible's too hard to understand. But it really, if you'll get into it for yourself, it's not too hard to understand. It can be understood. Um, I'd encourage you, if you're just getting started, Get some input. Have some people help you learn how to navigate through the Scripture. Um, I, I'd encourage you to ask some people who've been walking with God for some years. Not just a week. But go, go to someone who's been walking with God for, for some time, and you see the fruit in their life. You see a different kind of life that they're living because of that. If you don't know where to start, again, let us know. We'd love to help you. We'd love to point you in the right direction. But I want to encourage you, go to the expert as you try to handle the flow of life. I want to invite you to come back next week because we're going to be looking at just a few more issues related to the Scripture and on a real practical level, um, just try to help um, figure out where, where are you at in this. There's different, um, you know, obviously you might just be getting started when it comes to, to hearing Scripture and then just taking it in on Sunday morning is, is where you're at. Um, but if you've begun to read it for yourself or maybe you're studying it, and we'd like to give you some more helpful just advice and uh, tips on that. And we're going to be using the scripture to do that next week. Would you take out that, that connection card? 
take a look at some of these next steps. And I'd like to invite our worship team to come back up to the um, stage and also our ushers to prepare to receive this morning's tithes and offering. And here's three next steps that we wanted to encourage you, or two next steps we want to encourage you to consider. The first one really is to circle one or two of these ways that you need to use to get a better grip on God's Word. And just think through where you're at. What's the area that you need to grow in? Hearing would be like this. You're, you're hearing someone teach on the Word of God. Um, reading is something you do on your own time. Studying is where you're digging a little deeper. You're maybe using some of the reference uh, books and resources that we've been mentioning in the last two messages. Uh, memorizing, taking some time to memorize um, verses or even passages. And then meditating on that. Applying, putting it into practice in your own life. What is the, what is the one or two things that you, that you sense you need to do at this point to get a better grip? Circle that on your on your listening guide and on your connection card. And then the last thing would be to fill out the invest and invite card that Scott was sharing about. Um, just want to encourage you, would you consider inviting people to OCC for Easter if they're, if they're not currently a part of a, of a church? And as we prepare for this special day, would you prepare by just praying, God, asking God to show you who, who to invest time in, who to invite? On that card, you'll see there's three lines. And so, um, you know, our family, we're praying for some people, and I would encourage you to do the same. Our staff doing the same thing, and so I would encourage you. We're not uh, pouring a whole lot of resources into, into um, an outside event like we've done in previous years. What we're really trying to do is just encourage people to invest and invite. And so we would just really encourage you to, as, as a congregation, that this would be a unified effort for Easter. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the things that you show us in it. Thank you for how you remind us so faithfully that your, your thoughts and ways, they can be trusted. Though we oftentimes bump against them and we struggle to understand why, um, why there's this huge gap between our thinking and yours, well, Lord, you really can be trusted. We, we trust that you have designed us. You've designed this world. Lord, you know what's best. And so, God, I pray that you would guide us, Lord, to live the type of life that would be pleasing to you. Lord, help us this week with some of the challenges we're facing. Lord, help us in our relationships. Lord, as we relate to other people in our home, our roommates, or um, our spouse, our children. Lord, would you help us to get into the Word on our own, spend some time relating to you so that we are able and better equipped to handle how to relate to other people in a way that is pleasing to you. God, on the job, same thing, Lord. As we use the resources that you provided for us, Lord, again, guide us through your word, Lord. Set the standards, set the agenda, set our priorities, Lord, through your word. Again, you have not just given us this, you know, the Bible for just the experts, Lord, for just the, just the scholars, but Lord, you've given us us, your word, so that we could know you, so that we could walk with you. So, Lord, change us through your word, we pray. Bless our offering, Lord, as we receive it. We just pray you, you would use it to multiply your kingdom work here in this community, Lord, and also as we support others around the world. For those that are going overseas from our church, we pray for their provision and protection, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.